Hi and welcome. Welcome to Travel with Ketan. With me Ketan Joshi, biker, backpacker and travel writer. Hi. Welcome to episode 14 of the book Three Men on Motorcycles: The Amigos Ride to Ladakh. Leh to Pangong Lake. After some relaxation in Leh, it was time for our next great destination, Pangong Lake, the famous huge mountain lake. And to access this, we would be crossing the second highest motorable road in the world, Changla Pass. Woohoo! For the journey to start, uh it was essential for everyone to first uh wake up and this was a task as usual we had had a disturbed night and it was all adi's fault if it hadn't been his birthday then you would not have to wait until midnight to kick him after our midnight exertions it was a task to wake these guys up ordinarily i would have to work up a hell of sweat kicking and punching them until they woke up but this morning i was inspired I just knelt down and whispered one word in their ears. Perfect. And next thing you know these big lugs are standing fully packed and geared up next to their bikes and smartly saluting me. I winked to the sardonically watching crew and set off on our next adventure. Pangong Lake is one of those wonderful mountain lakes which dot the Himalayan plateau, providing huge patches of water in the midst of a mountainous wasteland. We have always been fascinated by these water bodies and have always attached semi-divine status to them. The most famous example of this is the Manasarovar Lake near Mount Kailash. People are so fascinated with these lakes that they are willing to undertake the toughest of pilgrimages to see them. The Kailash pilgrimage used to be so dangerous that people used to perform the last rites before they set out on it. Unfortunately, most of these lakes are in Tibet. and tibet has been conquered by the chinese and the chinks are definitely not going to allow us to go there to check them out the pangong lake is lake is partly in tibet and partly in china and partly in india the road was the same as the one to nubra and so we had breakfast at the same dhaba the one with the simple paratha and rajma and the photo of the boxam sonakshi sina adding color and sex appeal to the walls the food was so awesome dhaba food at its best simple and delicious ah and then they were off to the next destination the third highest pass in india changla changla literally means south pass or pass to the south and is one of those passes between the ancient kingdom of tibet and the indian subcontinent it is one of the routes of the ancient silk route though a, a smaller lower route that has used to transport high value goods between china and the rest of the world Now of course it is tarred and modernized and supposed to be the second did I say second third whatever one of the two motorable passes in the world at about 5360 meters which is 17590 feet above sea level Of course if you say this to a geography nerd <coughs> then they will jump on you and start biting you and tell you this is not the case and there are other passes and blah 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 who cares We were on a trip and we were happy to be doing the second highest pass third highest whatever some pass and uh, another red flag to the geography nerds they keep screaming that k top is not i yeah, forget it we are happy doing high passes okay it is to the east of khadumla 
so you ignore the left turn to khadu and go on ahead to kharu and the sekti village the road was awesome the as a bro the bro the border road organization had done a great job till there and then it got a bit fat when we started climbing up the slow clear clearance and the melt water just scrapes the tarmac of the path and you're climbing up a steep muddy road with streams of melt water across it the scenery was great and the road was challenging and our powerful bikes were roaring so we felt good but the road got steadily worse as we approached the top and we felt little less good and wanted to be really careful on those steep turns especially as there are giant trucks and SUVs bearing down on us all the time Bawal obviously overjoyed seeing such a fucked up road and he shouted and zoomed up merrily up that road taking care to hit every rock and gravel and broken road he could find Adi was a little more circumspect and zoomed up a little more slowly while I went up in my measured way one eye appreciating the scenery and one eye on the road as Adi was neither zooming nor appreciating the scenery the motorcycle got sneered at him and splashed he slipped on some mud wobbled a bit and instead of speeding up to create momentum he tried to put his foot down for support couldn't manage that as well and had a slow and embarrassing fall into the mud plop he was down on the ground with his bike on top of him baba didn't even notice he was so far ahead i saw the fall but i couldn't see any place to safe place to stop so i went on ahead Adi couldn't believe that was abandoning him. He wriggled on the mud trying to get up. But his bike was heavy and the thin air at the altitude had left him too weak to push the bike off himself. At that moment, an SUV full of tourists came by and splashed him with mud. Rescued at last, he thought. But all that happened was the tourists in the cab squealed. Ooh, a fallen biker, what fun! And snapped photos of him and went off. They didn't even stop the car, leaving him gazing incredulously at the taillights of a departing cab. I found a place to park the bike, dismounted and went down to help him. But by then another car had stopped and they had extricated him from under his bike and pulled the bike up. I assumed his wounded feelings by laughing loudly at him and slapping him on the back and calling him a fallen woman. He got his bike started and went up and found Baba was waiting ahead, wondering where we had gone to. Soon we were at Changla, second, uh, oh, second, third, whatever, some highest motorable road in the world. It was a much better place than Khadungla as there were less tourists. Oh, what a relief. And overall seemed much better organized. The Indian Army, Army serves free tea up there and it was very welcome indeed. Long live the Indian Army. There is even a Changla Baba temple dedicated to the god of the past or some ascetic who lived there, whoever. And like all high passes in the area, it is festooned liberally with Tibetan prayer flags. It was a glorious and clear day and the views are fantastic. This was the high pass, like I already said, the highest in the area and the mighty Himalayas were all around us. The clear blue sky and snow-capped peaks, completely barren of vegetation, made for a truly amazing sight. And obviously, there was the obligatory photo session for these two photo whores. Photo with helmet in hand, then helmet on hip, helmet on other hip, helmet on bike, arms akimbo, both of them with hand on each other's shoulders, both of them kissing. 
no not each other kissing the sign post etc etc and then they went and ate maggi then bought t-shirts and keychains and knickknacks here boys i said hurry up oh shut up the replied bloody old foji are you going to come to changla again and again we should enjoy this experience we are mighty mountain men we are the great bikers the world deserves to see your glory our photos our virility oy mirail and hurli airy person interrupted him all i say is that we are 5300 meters above sea level and you, you shouldn't stay too long at this altitude you might get altitude sickness again and bow will do a darang durung on us again oh shit shit is right i might be getting a headache adi said patting his helmet with a worried look altitude sickness can cause cerebral edema which can result in death i observed <laughs> and adi went pale and immediately jumped on his bike and zoomed off <laughs> i grinned and followed them coming down from changla we are entering the changthang plateau which is the area between the great himalayan range and the karakorams it is an incredible place a great cathedral of silence as garav jani describes it garav jani is uh, a rider and filmmaker who has made some amazing motorcycle travel films two of which are based on his travels in this area riding solo to the top of the world was his first film about his ride to changthang and was one of the things which inspired me to come here he explored the area in depth and interacted with the local people called the changpa the changpa rear herds of yak and pashmina goats in the area and happily live here when the temperature goes to minus 35 degrees c in the winters he lived with them in their tents and was so impressed with them that he made another film called motorcycle changpa which is not released yet but i'm sure it will be great garo in case you are reading this we are waiting eagerly for it while it was it would have been great to do a garau journey and stay for months and months and be one with nature and shit on the open prairie in minus 35 degrees and stroke yak testicles and what not we had neither the gumption nor the time just the experience of ride here in summer was enough for us coming down from the pass there was a long road of nothingness and it was a long time before we got to a village where we could get something to eat it was a one horse village and the only place to eat was a small dhaba operated by one matriarch and some younger women probably daughters daughter in laws etc the menu was the usual mountain menu maggi or thukpa i was sick of the maggi so i tried the thukpa and that was pretty awful as well yeah I wondered up a bit about life in these remote villages. What it must be like. It must have been so remote, so cut off from the world till just a few years ago. And then over the last 50 years or so, the army presence here has increased a thousandfold and the tourist traffic as well. But after the summer is over, they're back to the remote and cut off life. No one around for miles, nothing to do but the daily chores. must be mind numbingly boring keep in mind that these must be rich and well to do people the nomads and villagers would be living a different life altogether alone in the meadows and wastelands and seeing nothing but their family and yaks for months on end but then 
I suppose they are happy and contented. It's near at a city folk for living such strange and hurried lives in dirty, crowded, and polluted cities. Such is life, where everyone is happy, sneering at the other guy. <laughs> we set off again on the road, and I was looking around and enjoying the feeling. When suddenly my bike lost all traction and went swerving all over the road, scaring the shit out of me. What the fuck? Sand? The bloody mountain road was covered in sand. I thought we had left the Himalayan desert back in Nubra, but here was some more of it. And like all sand, it decided it would be great fun to spread it itself all across the road and scare the shit out of unwary riders. Baba and Adi were of course overjoyed, and they went wee over the sand while I crawled over it, eschewing all risk. Sand is my kryptonite. You should speed across the sand, dude. Baba said. That will actually add to your momentum and prevent you from skidding and falling. Yes, yes, I, I, I know that mentally, I replied. But my body overrides me. We lost, we, we crossed a long sandy stretch and finally came inside of the mighty, mighty Pangong Lake. What a lake it is. It's freaking huge. It's a long snake-like water body, 134 kilometers long. About 60% of it is in Tibet and the rest in Indian territory. The Tibetan plateau is actually full of giant lakes, but only a few of them are in Indian territory, unfortunately, and this is the biggest of them. It's truly a remarkable sight. You have to see it to appreciate it. It is smack in the middle of the mountains on a high plateau, about 4,500 meters above sea level. There is nothing around. No water, no trees. No vegetation. And suddenly you see this ginormous water body, like an island sea, inland sea. And it is salty water, so it doesn't support any life. That explains the lack of greenery, animal life or farming. It's amazing. A salt water sea in the middle of the highest mountain range. The bright blue sky, the brown and sear mountains, and the emerald green blue sea. It's a world wonder. The Chinese conquered Tibet in the 60s or 50s rather and so a large part of the lake is in Chinese hands and the Chinese being Chinese maintain that the whole lake is theirs along with any part of the land that touches the lake. The Indian army says screw you and maintain that this lake is ours. So there is always a state of playing chicken out here with both armies staring each other down and this leads to a very heavy army presence here. The Indian government actually promotes tourism here for that reason, to show to the world that it is undoubtedly Indian territory, so that the army does not interfere with tourists. This used to be the final frontier of Indian tourism, with only the hardiest and most determined of travellers coming here. But over the years, with the bettering of the roads, it has become more and more accessible, and the filmmakers descended on it like a bunch of locusts. Some big Bollywood films started it off like Dilse, Three Idiots, Jab Takhe, Jaan, etc. And then the ad filmmakers took over. Now it seems to me that any bloody ad is shot here, from underwear to motorbikes. And now every bloody tourist wants to hire an Innova and come here and take a photo of himself on the banks of the lake. The good part of this is that there is a boom in availability of accommodation, something which had been worrying me for a bit and we had no idea where we were going to stay. And we obviously had no tents or stuff. It was actually quite warm during the day, but it promised to get cold at night. 
they they were these are mostly tents which entrepreneur locals that put up by the lake side and we checked out a few of these some were cheaply priced but were pretty sad in quality so we went on to swanky tent tent group which turned out to be pretty nice to the large swiss tents with nice beds and clean linen and a separate loo tent which also looked clean and they also had a restaurant where you could get food how much i asked him hmm he looked at us thoughtfully wondering how much he could sting us for 4000 per head he said he said balls i replied i don't want to buy the tent just to stay in it for a night no sir he tried to defend himself look at the quality of our tent see the location we also serve food just see the place i am seeing the place i replied and i also seeing that it is empty better give me a good rate or we'll ride on ahead and it will remain empty better to make a little money than no money isn't it and so we went and finally we got a rate of 1000 bucks for all of us but this doesn't cover the food he said finally trying to salvage as much as he could okay no problem we'll pay separately for the food i didn't want to cut him to the bone after all poor fellow he also has to make some effort for he has to make some money for the effort of putting all this up in such a remote location and as i was walking off we came running and plucked my elbow sir sir please don't tell the other guests about the rate we agreed on they are paying 4000 bucks each they have come in innova with a driver after all we happily entered our attractive tent and pulled out the saddle bags and riding gear and went for a ride on the lake front and you guessed it a photo session the two of them with the lake with the bikes on the lake with the bike only jumping up and down catching a photo of them in the air etc etc by the time the photo session was over the sun was setting and the temperature was shopping, uh, dropping sharply as we made our way back to the tents that was when the great bearing replacement episode happened yaar baba adi said affectionately placing his hand on baba's shoulder my front wheel is acting up a bit maybe the bearing is getting worn out really baba straightened with a jerk a light glowing in his eyes bearing acting up you interest me strangely my friend yes and i was thinking if the bearing were to break in the middle of the ride that would be in trouble yes indeed it would be in trouble would be to be a problem the front wheel would start to wobble like ketan's belly and the sand to adi mused so risky with this bearing it so happens that i'm carrying a spare bearing delzat shouted you are my hero adi squealed in delight and all the tools to change the bearing as well delzat started jumping up and down and almost whittled in excitement and he screamed in joy and they both held hands and started jumping up and down uh, together like teenage girls going to the prom I was looking at them in disbelief. Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Knock it off. People are staring at us. We are going to change Adi's bearing, Delzad announced. His bearing? I was mystified. You mean his posture, the way he carries himself? Or his sexual orientation? Here? No, no. The bearing is bike, you idiot. The ball bearing. The tire rotates on metallic ball bearings and those are wearing out and need to be changed before they break. I had no idea that my bike had balls. How will you change them? 
will remove the front tire from the bike and then use a special tool to remove the wheel bearing and replace with the fresh one I have in the bag and then remount the wheel. What? I was dumbfounded. Remove the wheel? Here? On the shores of Pangong Lake, one of the most deserted areas in the country? And in the dark? Why? Why now? Why not later? In lay? Or at least in the morning? No, 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 the chorus. We will do it here. Here and now. Real men do it in the dark. But what the fuck? Why do such a high risk procedure at such a place? What if you drop something and lose it in the dark? What if you are not able to fix the wheel? How will you get back to lay? This fat guy is such a coward, I tell you. Delder sneered at me. Such a loser, Adi agreed. And ignorant as well. And ugly too. Why do you think I kited all the tools all the way here, eh? Delder asked. I am the mechanic. I am Vishwakarma incarnate. I am Vulcan reborn. I sneer at this beauty task. I will do it precisely in 12 minutes. Or less. Have you ever done this before? I asked him. Cha! He said royally and pointed at the setting sun. It was almost on the horizon. See that sun? Well, keep seeing it my friend. Because I will be through before that sun sets. <clears throat> Come Adi, let us begin. He snapped his fingers and Adi saluted and they got to work. The whole thing remind me, reminded me of a description of how eminent doctors used to amputate limbs and do operations in the pre-anesthesia days. The patient would obviously be in tremendous pain. So the main skill of the, uh, of the doctor was how fast he could do the operation. Time me, gentlemen, time me, the doctor would say and get to work with the hacksaw or whatever. And the blood starts flowing and the screaming starts. Similarly, Dell said, time me, gentlemen, time me and got to work on removing the wheel. And hey, presto, it was off in minutes. They looked at me triumphantly, but I was impassive. I always found it easier to take stuff off than to put it back. He quickly replaced the bearing and started putting the wheel back. <laughs> he puzzled and he tried again. And again. And again. And again. What's up? I asked. I was sitting far away as they didn't trust me with tools and stuff. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He replied and tried again. And again. And again. The problem was getting the brake pads to stay in place. They kept falling out whenever he tried to replace the wheel and hanging out. It was like a surgeon who has removed the kidney, but the liver keeps falling into his hands when he tries to close the wound. Adi was nothing more than a mechanic's mate, as his mech skills were far below Bawa's. He also tried his luck and failed. <laughs> The sun had long set now. It was pitch dark and these two were still struggling with it like two Sisyphuses pushing, pushing the rocks up the hill only to see it rolling down when they had just got it to the top. They were sweating in spite of the cold now and was streaked with oil and grease and very pissed indeed. They were weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Tears were welling up and lips were being bitten. Savage oaths were bubbling in bosoms and the slightest provocation would have resulted in violence and bloodletting. Delzad's hair was standing straight up and Aji's, Aji's cheeks were bulging because the balls were in his mouth. <laughs> I didn't say a word. 
firstly they would have first they would probably attack you with a tire iron and secondly i was also worried as to how to get this one legged bike back to lay chances of a mechanic here were quite remote but where might a biker go when they might be having a mechanic with them otherwise we had to look for a truck going back to lay while well, they tried and tried and saw that bloody brake pad fail again and again and yet again <laughs> they became a tourist attraction by themselves out there the tent operator and his staff came out to watch they found it so fascinating that they made tea and came to watch the tourists in the adjoining tent came and offered to put on the lights of the car so if we, should, we could have some light they made some popcorn and we sat around and watched a powerful human drama of human of emotion and action Big Boss had nothing on this stuff. He would probably be there still if not for the driver of the Innova who was compelled by professional curiosity to come and help us. He first came and squatted next to us to observe. Then he started to point and give advice. Then he moved in to hold stuff and push and pull. And he finally shoot both of them off and got really down and dirty with the tire and showed it who's boss and finally shoved the pads in and glared at the tire until it got too afraid to push it out again. and quickly pushed the back, wheel back and locked it in and stood there gasping <sighs> they were tired and irritated and covered in oil and grease it was dark and cold and a cold breeze started to blow when we went inside to eat there was no non-veg either to raise the spirits even the rum was over well adi i said as we were getting to bed your 30th certainly started with a bang i must say You changed your bearing at Pangong Lake. You have become a motorcycle changpa yourself. True that, man. Should have recorded that on film. We would have called it "Changing Bearing Solo on Top of the World" and scoffed at Gaurav Jani. You wimp. You may have changed punctured tires, but we have changed wheel bearings. <laughs> we bumped fish and went to sleep. And that's it for this episode guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Do check out the other episodes before this if you have not done so already so that you can get flow of the book. Do check out this book on Amazon 3 men on motorcycles and the five part Amigo series which is the continuing adventures of the Amigos. Do check out my website www.ketanjoshi.net that is www.ketanjoshi.net It has got a list of all my books. It has got photo galleries for each book. It has got uh, my YouTube channel, uh, which you might like if you like this podcast. It is like this podcast, but illustrated with uh, photos and videos. And uh, it has got my blog, and you can contact me from there as well. There's a lot of fun on this side. Do check it out. Uh, do let me know what you thought of this episode and uh, of the book. and i'm really looking forward to hearing from you bye guys see you 